well good okay. afternoon friends uh, uh, welcome to our uh, next uh, series in then today we have a session on corporate governance and boards uh, beyond covid 19 uh, why this kind of a topic well uh, based on feedback and discussions with a whole uh, lot of stakeholders including a string of our very valued clients uh, we found that there were a lot of uh, Uh, new issues, uh, unexpected issues, which are confronting uh, the boards now, uh, and particularly because of uh, the crisis, which came in a very unprecedented and unexpected uh, manner. Uh, the boards usually are required to give leadership to companies under normal circumstances to always align the short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals uh, to always uh, help. Uh, Uh, businesses tied over intermediate or long term challenges uh, to always encourage innovation and competitiveness uh, having said all that what happens if a crisis knocks the door uh, in a absolutely unprecedented manner uh, we have with us a very distinguished uh, panel of speakers today uh, uh, we have uh, mr uh, vivek bharti uh may I request mr bharti and uh, mr kusro to possibly uh, switch on the video uh, sharing for a few for some time at least so that our viewers can uh, can have a better insight on who they are likely to hear so we have mr vivek bharti uh, mr bharti has been uh, amongst a whole lot of other responsibilities on uh, corporate management issues he's been a, a former ex executive director of pepsico for over 6 years uh he's handling is the lead handle for uh, uh a lot of uh, uh, commercial bodies like fiki on corporate governance and policy issues as we speak uh and uh, apart from mr bharti we have uh, dr amit kapoor uh, he's uh, uh, an an ace uh, mind on competitiveness and strategy he's known globally for his uh, initiatives on uh, encouraging competitiveness as a tool for growth uh, and meeting aspirational needs uh, of the society through uh, business initiatives so a, a very typical uh, and a very unique uh, uh, platform for engaging business and social needs both together and how both objectives can be achieved uh, through competitiveness and strategy i'll i'll uh, request mr amit kapoor dr amit kapoor to expand on this as we move forward Uh, we also have uh, mr khusro balsara uh, mr khusro balsara is driving the uh, he's the lead uh, uh, person driving the governance compliance and legal regulatory issues at the bombay stock exchange and in a way uh, he is the uh, person to look up to for uh, uh, all uh, blue chip and big companies on governance issues uh, on on the best practices uh particularly from the investor protection uh, perspectives from compliance perspective uh we also have with us mr manish lamba uh manish is a senior vice president of dlf reality uh apart from this is uh, held very uh, unique positions in his uh, vast career and shaped up uh, governance practices uh, uh, at the top of the line companies uh, we would not like to take too many names here but uh, these are companies which are driving the future of india as we speak today uh, we have with us uh, mr rajiv chobe uh, uh, rajiv ji is a uh, director on the board of acc and also the chief legal officer uh, 
and in a way uh, architect and uh, uh, oversight person for uh, how acc conducts itself uh, on on the parameters of governance and particularly corporate governance uh, welcome everyone to the uh, panel today and we thank you to join us uh, for joining us today uh, to exchange notes uh, uh just some housekeeping rules before we get on uh, with uh, the discussions uh, and the issues uh, all our participants who are participating uh, on this conference uh, through the youtube platform have a live chat available uh, you are encouraged as it has happened in the past as well to uh, feel free to give your comments your inputs your questions uh, uh, as we proceed in the discussion Uh, our admin will be uh, relaying all your inputs and questions to the distinguished speakers on the panel on a real time basis we'll endeavor to answer your questions and to take your inputs in the stride uh, uh, as we go along or at least at the end of the uh, session and uh, uh, so let me start the discussion today uh, starting with you uh, uh, mr bharti let me try and uh, understand how is a crisis different from one crisis different from the other my sense tells me that uh, uh, boards are always supposed to be ready for crisis uh, we have a covid 19 which has its own unique trappings but is this something not uh, is this crisis not of a flavor that the boards ought to have already expected what is the novelty and why are we finding this very unique uh, over to you uh, mr bharti Vivekji, you are there. Uh, in the meanwhile, can I turn over to uh, uh, Dr. Amit Kapoor with the same uh, uh, issue? I mean, how is how is one crisis different from the other? As 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 corporate practice and as uh, uh, what the board is expected to do, are we not already supposed to anticipate a crisis of any flavor? so uh, th this this is a great question uh, manojji but then if you really look at it uh, what the world is facing today is absolutely unprecedented uh, if you were talking to me uh, in 1918 uh, that was the last time when a crisis of this sorts had actually happened and when when it happened during the times of the spanish flu 1918 to 1920 uh, it was followed by one of the most startling phases in the history of the world uh, that is when the whole uh, uh, what do you call structure of the global system uh, got created we had the two world wars we had the rise of an antichrist like say hitler and so on and so forth uh, but then i think it did sow the uh, seeds for a creating a very interesting capitalistic system that exists in the world today but what this crisis has actually done is which is so unique uh, earlier what had actually happened is that crisis was something very interesting wherein say income levels would actually just fall flat for everybody uh, and it would bring down the fk or what do you call bring down the income levels for everybody across the board and so on and so forth and the disparities would actually reduce but this is a crisis of a very different flavor this is which is very unique in terms of it is going to create disparities uh, which are going to be far bigger than what the world has actually seen in the past uh, quite interestingly uh, if you really look at say the disparity that actually exists like what we are seeing already in the last 4 5 months is now uh, that people who were poor have actually started moving down quite significantly india effectively has close to about 40 million sorry 400 million people who are below the poverty line those are the numbers from ilo not mine now uh, but if you really look at it across the world it is expected that more than a billion people would actually go below the poverty line because of this crisis 
but then of course there are going to be large firms which are going to go at the top and perform better so that is one of the things but what i think is this crisis is an amazing opportunity to set things right and there are a lot of corporations which have actually done some stunning work at this point in time uh, in fact if you, how i see this uh, whole thing has to be really set right is very very interesting right? because what we are saying is that capitalism is changing and we will have to really create new tools of capitalism as we go forward and what are those new rules of the ca capitalism that we need to look at those new rules would be that okay now we need to find ways to reducing disparity we need to uh, actually find that uh, we we are not creating a divide we actually take care of racial uh, issues uh, as we are actually seeing in the us we do not discriminate amongst people so across the board corporations will have huge opportunities for engaging and this also means that this is corporations have been doing it in the past uh, but i think this is a point in time when corporations will really have to transform themselves to saying that we are purpose led set of enterprises we are actually solving problems of the world and when you are really saying that uh, profit is not the only motive it is actually about social issues as well in fact a lot of times people tend to believe it is the job of the government to actually do something interesting in terms of solving the societal problems and so on and so forth but i think this crisis has brought brought to the fore that's the corporate world which actually takes a big leap in terms of solving the challenges that we actually face across the board organization if you really talk about healthcare organizations have come at the fore but there are other organizations across the board who have tried to tide over this crisis help solve the problems or the challenges that we are actually having so one thing has become very clear through this crisis that yes we have disparity there might be some exploitation but it is that the corporate world will be solving the challenges and problems of the world so social objectives and economic objectives will become or entrenched very very closely as we actually go along into the future so those are the set of things that we see now so crisis is interesting uh, very challenging times but it is also giving us an opportunity to really redefine uh, what was defined for us in 1920s and i see this change happening very quickly in the coming years and organization organization after organization is now saying that we need to solve these problems of course everybody is not following it everybody does not follow the norms of equity and all those kind of things i'm not going to be naming organizations here but there are going to be organizations which are doing a very stupendous job of managing equity so some of my initial remarks here uh, uh, and i made i hope i made some sense uh, oh absolutely in fact uh, uh, you led me into the next uh, set of the discussion where i wanted to you know really pick on Uh, the role of the boards in evaluating uh, the crisis as an opportunity and and rightly so as you flag that uh, the crisis is because it has brought in a set of a downside uh, from the societal perspective from the disruption disruption in supply chains disruption in uh, the capability of uh, organizations and uh, businesses to uh, carry on and sustain and and the consequential impact on the the people across the board and uh, the turnaround therefore is also uh, uh, likely to be uh, led by the corporates who align themselves uh, to address these challenges and therefore address the social challenges along with the economic goals rightly so and uh, may I come back to manish uh, on uh, uh, how do you see this crisis is, is it really unprecedented is it something uh, so unprecedented that uh, it actually could not have been imagined uh, or expected and and what do you see this as a opportunity crisis matrix i i quite agree with uh, amit this uh, if you look at this crisis the crisis of the same mag magnitude or maybe a lesser magnitude which did which we did see in uh, 1918 uh, almost when the world war 
one was coming to an end it was the spanish flu epidemics are not new to the human society epidemics are as old as the human society itself and if you were to trace the history of epidemics you can you can find it to the last 5000 years and there have been plagues there have been many other kinds of epidemics which have taken place but the difficult but even in the if you look at uh, in 500 bc also you find recorded history of these epidemics but what distinguishes this epidemic from the previous ones is that the world was never so connected so something which starts in wuhan in a wet market you suddenly find it in america you you find it in italy you find it in india the kind of connections which are there today by air you could go from one place to another so fast so the manner in which it has spread and the manner in which it has actually said that the world while it was becoming individualistic um, so that is one distinguishing factor in 1918 half the world was uh, no was not even independent slavery or colonialism was there so the kind of impact and effect uh, which it had during that period was very different i hope we don't repeat that history in the second uh, wave which happened in uh, uh, which happened during the spanish flu Uh, India lost. Uh, that was the only decade in which you, in which the Indian population actually, from one census to another census, came down. So uh, India can was uh, ten. Yeah. Yes, about ten percent. Uh, about about uh, about say five to seven percent of the Indian. I can see everybody, but my name is not coming there. Uh, the yeah, that, that's Indian fine. We can just to pause. We can see one Mr. Anand Kumar here, but I'm. <laughs> I believe you're logging in from. Uh, uh, a different laptop uh, because you're traveling, okay. so uh, that's that's absolutely no issues. Uh, just a little bit of light in the room would have helped. Uh, uh, and just give me a minute. Please go ahead, Manish. Bhai. Yeah. Okay. So this pandemic is uh, so never ever in the world uh, the entire world would have come to a stop. All trains, all planes, all buses, even human movement have been stopped. Even during the Spanish flu, this did not happen. the world was not so integrated economies were not of such a stage uh, zooms zooms were not there uh, means of communication were not there they were isolated pockets and things of that nature many areas of the world remain unaffected unimpacted but now this has impacted when the world is so integrated in so far as the economy is concerned so it used to say that if us sneezes we uh, we catch a cold so but today now the manner in which it is the us where uh, for 3000 people died in 911 and the whole world came to a standstill now 3000 people are dying every day so the kind of helplessness that we have seen and i had read somewhere that if you were to put all the corona viruses put together and put them on a weighing machine it will be 1.5 to 2 grams so it is so belittling that the kind of havoc which has been caused by this virus is not more than 2 grams so this says that in so far as uh, uh, in hindi they used to say that musibat jitni choti ho utni behtar ye to choti musibat hone bahut badi musibat hai choti baat hona to ye chhota mu badi baat hai it is also a very humbling experience that uh, the human kind in so far as no matter how we would have progressed we do not know whether this is the last virus this is not the last one not the first one it will mutate it may we may have waves so in order to assess that how the world is going to be Uh, there is going to be a, yeah. so there is going to be a uh, pre uh, pre pandemic during pandemic and post pandemic and a post pandemic is something which has not arisen 
so the i completely the kind of poverty which we are going to see the kind of effort which had gone in order to bring millions of indians below above the poverty line with with just these 90 days that entire demographics have changed that entire manner in which people have lost their entire life savings so uh, yes it has also created opportunities but for but this time the manner in which it is going to impact and affect the poor the manner in which it is today the geopolitics of the entire region whether it is china pakistan south china sea japan us japan relationship japan germany germany relationship japan australia relationship and in between uh, india so everything has changed so uh, it is it is just not possible to capture what kind of an impact Uh, this is going to have we only looked at into the pages of the history when we were faced this kind of a situation but in no living memory in low living memory nobody had this kind of a this kind of a memory of this such kind of a magnitude things could happen people said that things would happen uh, bill gates was talking about it george bush was talking about it there were other academicians and uh, uh epidemiologists manish bhai it's interesting to see how uh, boards get to navigate through this yeah uh, so in the sense coming, that uh, coming, what coming, can we take uh, out uh, now, as, now coming as to the board yeah. the coming to the board generally what happened was the boards the boards were generally looking from quarter to quarter for one year to another year uh, somewhere down the line 100 years of memory we had lost that we have to see that the possibility of something which is happening once in a lifetime and that is how we all have started learning and looking at post major clauses so therefore the risk which is there which can which can impose that the that one more column which will which was insignificant and residuary is that residual risk can sometimes become a very big risk so that yes. is something in so far as the risk mechanism the mechanism because ultimately you have seen that ultimate the board is not only responsible for the company but they are also responsible to the society so at That's some right. large scale people will have to look at look at that pandemics is also one of the situations at the board levels at the company levels and at the level of the country and things of that nature we will have to have a rethinking and make allowance for such kind of situations as well very well said uh, uh, may now turn to uh, mr bharti in fact uh, vivek ji we took the liberty of uh, starting the session uh, since we had gone live uh, while uh, in your absence when you left us for a few minutes uh, so we we were trying to evaluate and discuss uh, the very starting point where uh, you know how is this uh, uh, you know usually boards should be prepared for a crisis uh, that's an assumption and therefore how is one crisis different from the other we have covid 19 today and uh, very interesting perspectives came uh, from dr kapoor and and of course manish bhai you heard just now uh, that this is different because it has very larger and wider ramifications on the entire uh, uh, development ecosystem on the entire business ecosystem on on uh, stakeholders across the board uh, so so therefore this is slightly different and we were also trying to touch on the issue uh, what could be the board's uh, role uh in 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 kind of evaluating and turning a crisis into an opportunity uh your thoughts on this uh, vivek ji over to you well so uh, my first point is that this is not the first time that uh, you know we are seeing a crisis and in fact over the last two decades we are used to living in a vuca world as they say you know a world which is volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous 
Now, the different challenges would face different companies. Now, a company that has been around for some time and has faced uncertainty, which it does on a daily basis, and you have the boards have already put and the management teams have put processes in place, it will be much easier. It will be much easier. So what you have done in the past, actually, this is a testing time for those processes already in place. Having said that, having said that, as uh, Mr. Lamba was explaining, this is truly unprecedented. We have not seen the mag this kind of magnitude before. Uh, before, And nobody today actually uh, is able to predict how fast, how soon, U-shaped, V-shaped, S-shaped, what kind of recovery there will be, we don't know. Uh, everybody is guessing. The best of experts actually are guessing. From the International Monetary Fund to the best of economists, they are all guessing how this trajectory is going to uh, pan out. We today don't know whether there's going to be a second wave or post-second wave where there'll be a third wave. Everybody seems to be pinning their hopes on a vaccine. But let me tell you, there is not a single virus which has a vaccine. Till now, no virus has got a vaccine. That's vaccines are there. Vaccines are there for bacterial infections. This is the first time that people are saying we'll get a vaccine. And hopefully, I hope they're right. So we don't know the trajectory. So this is a testing time for all the processes that you put in place. This is the testing time for your ability to redefine them. This is a testing time for <clears throat> put new processes in place or refine the processes that already exist. Having said that, I do think that you know, the role of boards don't change in that sense. Their intensity of various functions may change. But the role of, unless there are regulatory changes which impinge on the role of the boards, crisis is merely another opportunity for uh, <clears throat> an interaction between management teams and the board. So I don't think the role of the board per se changes. What changes is, uh, depending on what kind of company you are in, is what part of that function comes to the fore. <clears throat> it could be more advisory at the moment, right now when you're grappling with complete uncertainty. But of course, without giving let go of compliance and regulatory requirements, whatever the new regulatory requirements will be. And this may vary from geography to geography. I mean, even within the Indian landscape, you see that different states have different requirements. Uh, and if you are if you are a multinational, you have different requirements across geographies, across countries. So uh, vigilance. All I would say is two caveats. I would just start with is number one. I think the board members need to educate themselves on what's going on. You should be able to add value. That is first point. And yes. the second point is that uh, please evaluate the work you've done in the past. What kind of protocols you have set into motion in the past? Are those processes adequate? Are new ones required, et cetera, et cetera? I think these are two first pivots that I would like to just, uh, and we can take the discussion forward as we go along on these points. And third, of course, most critical, most critical is within your formats, within your processes, please enhance information flows. And that is so critical. Call it as it is. Call it as it is, evaluate everything, and information flows, the transparency of that information 
the speed of that communication the ability to digest what is happening within within your uh, company and uh, <clears throat> i think what is more important is not just the assessment but the framework of that assessment is the framework of that assessment right i have to modify that framework etc etc and of course finally uh, the boards also have to with the help of the right talent within the board uh, evaluate the new regulatory requirements evaluate that you are in compliance etc uh, etc et so i think there's a whole mosaic of possibilities that are there uh, so let's carry on with the discussion as we go along very well said in fact uh, and and more so in these kind of times of crisis the response uh, i believe has to be uh, much faster and and all these capabilities of the board uh, which the board is expected to be packed with a different set of people with the right skill sets uh, to support on 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 all the fronts right from regulatory to financial and non financial issues risk strategy uh, uh, response all these have to play out in a very good orchestra uh, uh, at at some point uh, uh, and on an immediate basis during crisis uh let me turn to uh, mr balsara and then rajib bhai on uh, just taking this discussion forward uh, you know in this backdrop of the very unique nature of a crisis and therefore uh, how does the board respond and uh, uh, help this to be turned into an opportunity uh, in addition and taking it forward what are the different stages uh, that the board uh, could handhold and support the management and the company in terms of counseling leadership uh, and and particularly in view of the challenges that you from your experience are faced with uh, which are very unique uh, to the indian uh, ecosystem and the indian particularly governance ecosystem in india uh, so what, what do you see as the the uh, board's role or the director's role uh, stage by stage during the crisis phase uh, uh, mr balsara over to you sure uh, am i audible dr kumar absolutely yeah. sure thank you very much and uh, thanks for this uh, wonderful opportunity to be with such esteemed uh, panelists on this uh, very very uh, relevant and burning topic of uh, how boards should react in covid times and beyond uh, it as as the other panelists said uh, i think this is totally come uh, like a totally a bolt out of the blue it's like one of mike tyson's uh, famous uh, jabs up, up, upper jab and everybody has been taken by surprise in probably in february march everybody thought this is calm it will go away like the sars thing it will affect only china not affect us and when it began spread, spreading and this thing is totally invisible so i think to a great extent people were scared uh, and therefore the reactions probably also were not as swift as they should have been whether you talk of uh, individuals families corporates or uh, maybe even the government to start with Uh, it's only when we realize how uh, dicey this thing is that uh, i think everybody scrambled to you know start making arrangements get into get things done so that your work disruption doesn't happen uh, and this is uh, the covid-19 crisis is basically too precious a learning to let go i mean this is something which we really yeah. need to learn from as as the great writer and philosopher george uh, santayana said uh, i really love those words those who don't who do not learn from history are condemned to repeat it so if you do not take lessons from this uh, experience then uh, we should probably uh, be held 
even worse in future crises uh, which may come so while uh, i think vivek uh, ji very rightly said that the role of the board essentially remains the same and it is only certain uh, things which come into sharper focus so i would like to focus on three points uh, to basically uh, lay out uh, which i think are very important especially for boards and especially in these times and times to come so the first one would be transparency and disclosures so we have this uh, regulation 30 of the listing obligation disclosure requirement regulations which says that all listed companies uh, are do have to publish uh, unpublished price sensitive information and such a big thing like covid happened where everybody was impacted the company shut down production was not there and then uh, some people started limping back to some kind of normalcy in may but despite that uh, it was very surprising to see that uh, in early may only about 400 companies had given disclosures about covid and how it has impacted them and they were also pretty general disclosures you know it was like uh, we are doing what the government has told us and we have shut down our plants and we'll take care of our employees but nothing about impact how it has impacted them a little more detailed disclosures were not uh, forthcoming so we exchanges uh, had a word with sebi and uh, sebi consulted us on whether there should be an advisory and uh, based on the response they felt that probably an advisory was due and on 20th of may sebi issued the advisory saying that uh, companies should i mean they did not uh, make it a mandate but uh, it was a very strong urging and as i uh, jokingly say when sebi says uh, you may do it it means you shall do it so Uh, so then uh, the response was pretty swift in the next 10 days uh, that figure of uh, just 400 companies went up to over 1200 companies and now increasingly a large number of companies have been giving covid disclosures on how it has impacted them how it has affected production those who have started uh, certain plants have started giving the impact it has had on their uh, employees the entire ecosystem how they are coping with it and very important is the financial impact on because everybody knows it's bad news but uh, it's important to find out how bad it is so because if you don't say that uh, this is uh, you know caused x amount of damage people will think it is x plus something so it's very very important that listed companies to the extent possible they should quantify and explain the financial impact of uh, what this has uh, been for them uh moving from then to other disclosures uh, you know something like related party transactions uh, again uh, it shouldn't happen that you know because of covid uh, everything is shut down so we do not have any major responsibility we just keep on uh, giving the normal routine uh, disclosures like shareholding pattern and financial statements no that that's that's not there uh, because uh, recently i think sebi has uh, taken out a discussion paper there was a committee uh, made up by sebi where i was fortunate to be a part and a contributor from bsc which looked into related party transactions and when we saw the disclosures being made by listed companies and some of them really large ones we were absolutely shocked at the abysmal level of disclosures being made by them uh, they were just giving lists and lists of companies with some amount written next to it how is an investor supposed to read it understand it we guys who are in the business who are like first responders or first line of defense or first regulator as whatever you may call it when we ourselves cannot make sense of it how do you expect an investor to make sense of what disclosure is there regarding related party transactions and to be fair there have been uh, uh, 
pretty good uh, detailed disclosures but they're also for the large part been fairly ambiguous and lot of things are clouded in uh, uh, english and uh, details are not available to investors and you've seen a lot of abuses from uh, promoters trying to buy over say real estate from the company at an extremely throwaway price or uh, you know lot of uh, other abuses we've seen so i think this is where you should not uh, take a foot off the pedal in terms of or take your uh, eye off the ball you can say in terms of what is the responsibility of the company and the boards and the boards really need to be focused on what's happening during this time because uh, there are quite a few technological challenges also with getting board meetings done with arranging everybody's time uh, arranging that everybody is uh, logged in properly the board members are all logged in they are aware of what's going on sufficient information is communicated to them well in advance so they can take decisions and participate in the virtual board meetings uh, because in physical board meetings you can always you know give them sheets of paper which they can go through but in virtual meetings uh, they need to be encouraged to go through all the material that is in front of them the second one after transparency i would like to talk about you know risk evaluation and management i think i simply cannot uh, stress enough on the importance of the risk management committee Uh, before sebi made it mandatory there were many companies which were not holding the risk management committee meeting at all in the year and then sebi mandated that you need to hold at least one meeting in the year so risks obviously are macro and micro at the macro level you have the economic environment government policies regulations how they affect you etc but uh, it's very important that boards uh, keep on asking questions of the management what are the risks the business is facing uh some years back uh, i was handling the revocation of a company which had been suspended for 2 uh, 3 years and uh, i asked them you know they were in the transmission business uh, transmission towers and stuff so i asked them you had such a thriving business what happened why did you get suspended i mean why is the company not doing well while the industry is doing well and their answer was uh, you know a little surprising for me and they said that uh, our uh, management basically it was a promoter driven company our management has uh, decided to go into export and to expand overseas in uh, manufacture of transmission towers and that's where we spent a lot of resources we didn't get the kind of business we expected from there and that's why we are in financial doldrums so one single decision taken by the management uh, and the promoter had resulted in almost uh, financial ruin for the company so this is where you know independent directors really need to step up and ask uh, at the board meeting last probing questions uh, so if i may have the latitude of quoting a sanskrit couplet uh, it says tatviti pranipatena pariprashnena sevaya upadekshyanti te gyanam gyanina tatva darshina so loosely translated it means you need not need to attack the promoter and you do not attack need to attack your guru basically that's what the saying says by asking questions to show your own intelligence what you need to do is you need to ask gentle probing questions to understand and imbibe knowledge and become a gyani yourself so uh, if you are a lot of directors sometimes uh, fear of speaking out is there in meetings they do not ask the enough questions they feel i may look uh, no little foolish asking this question when i am a director on this company etc etc but uh, that's not the case you need to really ask gentle probing questions about what the business is what direction it is taking and especially in covid times what are we doing to protect our business what are we doing to protect ourselves from say takeovers 
conversely are there any good interesting opportunities for us where we can acquire some company and you know uh, expand exponentially uh, by by doing that so that is where a little more involvement of the directors is very necessary so that's on the strategy level but i think one of the very very important points which most companies i have seen at least uh, miss out on discussion or at least it's not apparent anywhere in the public domain is the views on cyber security so bsc itself is uh, basically a, a transaction based company a database company and when i heard the kind of steps that our cyber security team is uh, taking it seems we receive close to 3 and a half to 5000 attacks every single day and that's taken uh, care of by our systems by the checks that we put in place so it's like you know where there is smoke there is fire so where there is data there are bound to be hackers how many people are uh, protecting themselves from this kind of attacks especially with the altercation with china stepping up to a different level there are a lot of uh, attacks being made whether people are ensuring that the data is protected especially pharma companies and uh, companies which have very important data of people etc so that's that's very important uh, the third and the last point is on uh, succession plans uh, again uh, as we all saw even a company a country like england uh, they they declared that the foreign secretary uk foreign secretary dominic rab would take over as uh, the designated survivor in case anything happened to boris and only a few weeks later boris and his family uh, were affected by covid and uh, uh, he to, he was uh, handling the stuff and so again succession plans were very important especially in india where uh, we are largely uh, 70% we have got promoter driven companies Uh, in professional companies probably there is a very clear succession plan in place but in promoter driven companies typically people would even be scared to ask you know what's going to happen if something happens to you uh, to the main promoter to the md so that's very important that a very <coughs> strong succession plan is in place to deal with uh, any kind of eventuality that may happen uh, god forbid he could be traveling and something happens to him so something as simple as that so companies should have very very uh, clear plans about this so i think these were the three focus areas i wanted to focus on uh, where boards need to really pay attention not only now because you don't know how far this uh, covid thing is going to extend it could be another 6 months 2 years 5 years uh, they are all saying that it could be go beyond even 2 years so it's very very important to be seized of the risks and be prepared for something similar to this which may happen anything could happen uh, so that that's what i happy to see about this thank you thank you so much uh, uh, mr sarai in fact uh, that's it's quite elaborate and of course you touched upon some issues we were planning to discuss as we go along uh, it was interesting to uh, share you on the cyber security and the data protection challenges from a, a regulator perspective uh, you know from the stock exchange and the uh, sebi Uh, because this is something very unique and uh, it's not something now typical only to a uh, certain owner of companies like software companies or That's you know right. the usual perception that we have uh, it has to be a, a each i think any anybody who is there uh, doing business as a custodian of public money uh, has to have a strategy on data protection i think that's the norm and uh, in fact the next uh, knowledge session we are having on the 25th of this month is on data acceleration uh, privacy and data protection essentially 
trying to underscore the point that covid has pushed a lot of us uh, uh, a lot of us who are in the process of uh, becoming uh, 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 you know on the uh, coming on the right side of data protection a lot of us who were who still did not have a strategy and of course the whole array of consumers everybody has been pushed into the uh, digital space without uh, giving a choice uh, of preparedness so and what happens now if i may now? just add sorry if i yes. may just add one thing that uh, especially since most of the employees are working from home this challenge really gets exacerbated whether uh, you are allowing people uh, uh, tunnel into your data servers and stuff like that so it's That's very right. important especially That's now especially with a with a uh, you know single uh, blanket permission from the dot Uh, to uh, to all call centers and back offices that without uh, any further approval of the government you can just go for work from home for your employees which earlier required a set of compliances on data protection on on right. the kind of technical protocols to be used all that has been done away with because possibly because uh, to avoid disruptions in this uh, troubled times it could be a good action but then the risk is still there uh, we are still exposed so that Very it's going to be a interesting continued discussion uh, over the next few weeks uh, we expect to have uh, justice uh, bn shrikrishna who is the architect of the privacy bill uh, and our colleagues from the observer research foundation and some uh, very uh, very eminent uh, colleagues from the legal and regulatory fraternity for that and of course uh, turning to rajiv uh, uh, you know uh, we we have discussed this whole array of uh, a crisis or uh, how unique is covid-19 uh, and uh, how does uh, a company and particularly the board by its leadership enable converting the crisis into an opportunity and then of course what is the uh, expected line of uh, support uh, uh, by the boards stage by stage during this uh, phase of a crisis uh, wanted to have your views on that before we move on to an next very interesting area of shareholder versus stakeholder value uh, so if you could share some thoughts on this uh, and then we can move ahead so over to you rajiv here manoj ji uh, for your uh, for this opportunity to be part of a very enlightened panel and i had the privilege of hearing everybody out and uh, taking the point of mr vivek uh, you know he spoke about vuka uh, so we i have personally been you know hearing this acronym vuka which is volatile uncertain uh, complex and ambiguous and uh, even the best of the risk management you know and the best of the force major uh, clause of any agreement could not have imagined that we will have a this corona or covid kind of situation which will completely you know completely change the uh the business scenario the business environment the business plans the business continuity plan and i think that is where uh, you know boards uh, the role of board as well as the management you know uh comes uh, into the forefront to and that is i think the acid test you know how companies have been able to come out with this crisis and if i may if i may touch uh, the whole governance uh, perspective i think let's focus on you know large corporations because large corporations be it bharti or reliance or tatas or mahindra or any such you know large business houses 
they their existence their continuity is actually of more relevance because these large listed companies they go to the market and they tap the capital and the resources and that is where their obligation to the investor community at large and all the stakeholders which also includes the government because the entire revenue you know which is generated today if we have a lower gst that is because companies are not able to generate the same revenue which they were generating pre covid you know so i think uh, coming back to the boards i think boards uh, uh, and i also take the point of mr vivek that uh, you know a board remains the same the situation has changed so i think those boards uh, which are resilient in the sense uh, uh, for example you know take the example of cement as a sector uh, we were also asked to shut down uh, you know post the mha order of march 2020 you know, and almost after a month uh, uh, the revised guidelines came wherein uh, you know companies were continuous business processes were you know allowed to operate so businesses opened you know so one is one way of looking is that you know there is no construction there is no real estate there is no commercial nothing is happening what to do everything is gloomy but uh, there can be a management who actually goes and does their homework the board does gives guidance that it's not that the entire country is under lockdown if you take and collect data in terms of what are the districts which are in red zone what are the districts which are in orange zone and what are the districts which are in green zone i'm just giving an example of resilience you will get you will get to know that at you know maybe your business is affected uh, 30% or 40% still there is 60% business and hence how soon management and boards are able to come up with a business continuity plan uh, and a plan to basically conserve cash Uh, and a plan to you know uh, reduce uh, cost i think those corporations are the corporations which will survive whether it is covid or whether it's a new crisis i think crisis management is all about rising to the occasion and look for alternate rather than just uh, holding your holding your hands and saying that nothing is possible today if you see many companies have gone ahead and declare their uh, Uh, you know results annual results so people working from home were able to complete their audit you know of you know annual accounts and publish it to the investors there may be slight delay here and there even like taking my example uh, my company's example although we are a december closing we declared our results on april 21st for q1 which was the kind of you know dedicated uh, the as per the calendar so i think all corporations uh, and boards and management have to actually rise to the occasion and find solutions uh, uh, there are many many businesses which have been able to diversify if you take the example of zomato or any such uh, you know delivery if they are not able to deliver foods they are able if they are trying to deliver grocery or anything you know so i think you have to start looking for uh, you know i i went to a shop and i could see that uh, this company which used to manufacture bags i'm just forgetting the name they are now manufacturing mask 
you know so maybe the sale of bags is not that much but it is these are just examples so you have to you the board i think the role of board comes in terms of having a robust business continuity plan and i think those people obviously who have been uh, have been wiser the boards who have been wiser who have thought of what can go wrong and who have worked on scenario planning that what can go wrong i think those companies and those boards will survive this crisis who have done who have asked enough questions before putting the money into a project you know who have not gone and done too much of borrowing which they cannot handle it i think those corporations have survived i think a very good example is of reliance industry who during this covid was able to raise more than 1 lakh crore so i think the whole uh, you know if you see that management their ability to the ability to plan that uh, the refining business may not have such a good future may not have the same you know same kind of delta which they have seen earlier and they were able to enter into this entire telecom business 2 to 3 years down the line and they had a kind of plan for one year two year three years five years you know think of so i think this is one uh, you know business case uh, that even during covid when companies are struggling here is a company here is a board here is a management who is able to raise more than 1 lakh crore and and he's and 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 the company is not stopping you know they are getting more and more investment and you compare this uh, with with a company which are uh, which is a group which was well established uh, which was the crompton greens you know balarpur industries and uh, crompton was big name and this is public information so i i don't mind sharing where the board itself has gone and approach sebi and the stock exchanges that there is something which is drastically wrong which is happening and and the management the promoter should be removed so these are you know two examples and people uh, one more point i would like to stress is that people speak about you know uh, promoter group and uh, mncs or professionally managed i think there are many good examples of promoter group companies who have managed their business very well uh, one name which comes to my mind is mahindras you see the way they have diversified from automobile to defense to tractors to motorcycles uh, to acquiring companies outside india going abroad so these are you know some of the you know successful business whether it is promoter driven or non promoter driven i think as long as the intent of the management of the board of of the key management is right i think they will be able to weather this storm uh as far as covid is concerned or there is a you know new kind of a uh, crisis in this period i think one of the role uh, which is important for the board is to keep the employees motivated because this is a period where there is lot of anxiety in the minds of the many employees you know uh, they are working from home and uh, they are maybe overworking you know because a uh, lot of things which you typically get in terms of support in the office you may not you may not you know get at home plus you have to manage your whole family so i think motivation of the employees uh, you know permitting them to work from home uh, you know giving an assurance that health is is of the prime importance 
and you don't have to worry whether it's a cost reduction program or it is a new diversification plan it should come from the employees rather than getting superimposed uh, because a motivated employee can you know give a diff totally different results so with these words i think i'll hand over the you know to the other speakers and we can join in very well said in fact employee sentiments uh, are one of the core uh, at the, are at the heart of handling any crisis because uh, you know it, it's it's the hr power which has to see through um, the sentiments have to see through the entire organization uh, rightly said uh, may now turn to uh, mr bharti once again this whole dilemma and uh, the balance between uh, shareholder value and stakeholder stakeholder value in fact if you recall the uh, uh, last quota committee recommendations to sebi also try to bring this to the core of the corporate governance uh, uh, structure that we possibly will foresee in future uh, boards uh, being expected to officiate and act on a, as as a trustee to stakeholders rather than uh, just addressing the case for uh, shareholders value uh, along with this i would also like you to uh, share some thoughts uh, on a slightly different but maybe related issue of core core values and ethics in times of crisis uh, do we need uh, ethics more or do we need ethics less during crisis and uh, uh, how should the board give uh, a so, direction and lead by example yeah. so let me let me take the second question first i think okay. that's a no brainer as far as i am concerned the core values spring from your ethics there is no segregation i mean you can't have one set of core values another set of ethics They're interrelated. Now let me raise a. I mean, uh, the other day the Indian Council of Medical Research they announced that the Bharat Biotech, right? Bharat That's Biotech right. will come out with a vaccine by uh, August fifteenth. If you recall that announcement. Now okay. suppose Dr. Kumar and all our panelists. Let's say we are on the boards of Bharat Biotech. Now this issue of ethics, stakeholders, shareholders. everything comes into play if all the toxicity studies are not completed right all the protocols are not followed bharat biotech announces a launches a vaccine in the market or wants to launch a vaccine in the market there is pressure from the government of india there is pressure from icmr would you and i on the board allow that vaccine to come out i think that answers the question for whether ethics core values uh, shareholders stakeholders so as a board i would say that unless regardless of whatever deadlines the government may set unless all the protocols are followed unless all the toxicity studies are complete we should not allow that vaccine to come out it may be next year's august 15th so i think there are no compromises on certain issues and there should not be because the moment you go down that road there is no stopping it you can make compromises then you will make compromises every corner and i think we can theorize about stakeholder versus shareholder but i would simplify it and say let us be in any crisis let us minimize mitigate manage the impact on all stakeholders all shareholders i think that is the that is the role of the board to strike the right balance and to address and mitigate the crisis helps the management uh, 
and I think Rajiv raised these questions about managing uh, managing the business, sustaining cash flows, uh, managing your capital flows. Do you need to restructure that? Managing your costs. All these are very important elements, and all in all these elements, we need to as the board, as a board member, you need to ask those questions and keep uh, keep the ship very steady and tight, and not allow the wrong kind of deviations. So, to my mind, the answers we can you know theorize, complicate it, but amidst all this complexity, we need to keep it simple, and just ask the right questions, and never compromise on ethics and values because they are all the same. Very well said. In fact, uh, uh, and that's where I believe uh, the independent director's role becomes a little critical uh, to ensure that deviations don't uh, happen and the right amount of probity is maintained, as uh, Mr. Balsara was mentioning. Uh, uh, over to you, Dr. Kapoor. Uh, the the entire shareholder stakeholder matrix, and you mentioned about capitalism and the changing uh, outlook and the convergence of economic goals and social goals and that's the only recipe to uh, growth of enterprises and business uh, or, or the or the most preferred uh, uh, route uh, and of course the the entire thing about core values and ethics uh, uh, everything seems to be jumbled up uh, uh, one over, over the other <laughs> over to you you are muted yeah, uh, absolutely. There are uh, what you call uh, some interesting questions, and I have a little point of uh, uh, what you call a difference uh, with Viveki. Uh, in fact, uh, what he says is like I think what he says is very very interesting. That uh, ethics is something which is very obvious, uh, but I don't think uh, that within the corporate world it comes very naturally or obviously. Uh, that is where the problem actually starts. Uh, and uh, so what I'm saying is I absolutely agree with him, but it is not coming naturally to the enterprise. And let me give you an example during this COVID crisis. And I'll not, I'm not. Well, I don't disagree with that. Amit, yeah, I sure don't not. disagree with that. <laughs> we are on the same page on that. I'm saying absolutely. being ethical does not mean, <laughs> yeah, being ethical does not mean that everybody would be ethical. That's not what I'm saying. Absolutely. I just wanted to pick up from there. So, you know, like, say, two enterprises, two very interesting situations. In fact, uh, say there is a firm which has actually built itself and built its credentials and profitability by creating franchisee stores, wherein small enterprises have actually invested. Now, the question that arises is, during this time of crisis, when you actually have tons of money uh, in your uh, bank account, should you be supporting your franchisees or not, who have actually enabled your growth over a period of time? There are two examples. There is an Indian company and there is Apple. Uh, Apple has supported all its stores, whether they were retailers or whatever. They don't have their own storefronts across the world, but what they have done, wherever there are those digital partners and stores, they have supported them with salaries and so on and so forth. That is one. There's a very interesting, again, an enterprise and not-for-profit in India, uh, which fired uh, the lowest rung of its people, rather than the top, rather than reducing the salaries at the top, because it, now this is where the ethics comes into play. Because rather than saying, let's all of us take a cut of 10% or 15%, the lower end of the system can actually sustain. Why shouldn't we do that? Uh, I think there are great enterprises like, like Reliance, which have actually said they are going to take pay cuts across the board. And they're not firing uh, any sets of people. So there, there is a very rational way of doing it. But there are enterprises which are not doing it. And something very interesting, I have a, I'll put a 
a very interesting theoretical point here. I think larger the PR expense of a firm, uh, there is a huge larger possibility that there is an unethical system that actually exists. So we might actually want to do some kind of a point of uh, thing here uh, at some future state that we can actually look at. So if somebody wants to smash eggs at my head or face now, he can do it. But that's where it is. But having so it's, said that, it's a, it's a very valid point because Mr. Uh, Bulsara is here. In fact, there is a specific clause in the SEBI listing obligation that if you have a contact with any media agency, you need to inform them. And this happened yeah. after, I don't want to take names. <laughs> yeah. yes. So you, you know what we are saying actually. So I think everybody is guessing what is happening. But having said that, I think uh, what I say is that the future for capitalism, the future for the system is going to be that we will have to take care of uh, what we call requirements for all stakeholders there is going to be a common purpose or a co corporate social purpose that it is going to be there because each of the corporations are solving a social problem. Whether it is PepsiCo or Nestle or whatever, they are solving a problem of a certain model. Uh, you like that product, you don't like that product is a separate issue. We can have those differences or whatever, but they're solving a problem. by a, There is a share of throat that Pepsi talks about. Nestle is a share of stomach or whatever, or you have a reliance which is solving the problem of communication. But the question is that there is a clear cut thing that there has to be purpose and profit which have to get entangled together. And that is what the future will have to look like uh, or look at in the future. Uh, and I think there are three principles by which we can actually look at that. And this is where corporate boards will also have to uh, come into picture. I think this is more from a strategic viewpoint from the future. As Vivekji had said that there is this VUCA world, but then if I really want to survive in this VUCA world, what is it that we need to do? So one or two points here, like one is, can I reconceive needs for customers uh, over a period of time? Can I actually solve problems of the people in a much better way? Can I actually look at making ourselves more productive? And in fact, there was a very important point that Manish ji touched upon, that in this global value change, which are going to get dismantled or whatever, in this like world which we are seeing, which is very, very volatile in terms of, say, the war situation or uh, the security situation or whatever, the question is going to be that how do we make our value chains more productive over a period of time? And then how how do we really engage with the local system? Because we all operate. Can we actually contribute to my local uh, ecosystem? And we, it has to be beyond CSR. It is that can I actually create a system wherein I'm able to create engagement with local people and then really take up the whole location. That, that is actually going to enable competitiveness at multiple levels. Operations become more effective, locations become more effective, and so on and so forth. And having said that, last but not the least, I would all, always want to reiterate a point. I think we need to understand that it is not governments which solve the problem. It's always the corporate world which solves the problem. Solves the problem. I think a lot of people tend to believe that government is going to come and do something. Government enables the environment. It is people like us, entrepreneurs or whatever, which will who will have to go out and solve the problems and create solutions for the world. And this is where vision, purpose, ethics, everything actually just juxtaposes and comes to the fore. Very well. Uh, in fact, you always intertwine uh, the practical side uh, of what the business outlook should be very well. Uh, uh, Mr. Balsara, over to you as a part of the uh, uh, regulator. Uh, SEBI, so to say, uh, when we talk about the emerging corporate governance landscape and, and the recent uh, quota committee recommendations that have been largely uh, appreciated by SEBI, uh, what do you see as, what's your prescription? What do you see as the regulator's prescription for 
and the shift from the shareholder value concentration to a stakeholder value concentration and uh, how far do you see core values and ethics uh, being an enabler to tide over crisis rather than you know pulling it pulling uh, back the capability of organizations to uh, walk through or navigate through a crisis your thoughts on this sure thanks uh, i'm glad you said your thoughts so i would like to put a disclaimer that uh, these are my personal <laughs> thoughts and they are neither the thoughts of bsc yeah. or sebi okay. i would not uh, lean to i, mean, I would not uh, take away from sebi so but i still i i feel personally that uh, it's very very important for stakeholder value to take over much more than shareholder value and boards need to really look at the larger picture in that respect uh, give you an example i mean uh, as far as bas is concerned again that uh, we have a large number of vendors in the it space and uh, of course we have others who do office support and stuff like that but largely they are in the it space and when this uh, happened and uh, we were considered an essential service and had to remain open uh, throughout uh, not a single day when we were off so we did two things two very notable things which uh, uh, you know very important is number one is uh, we kept on testing our uh, software continually for moving from the production site what we call pr to the disaster recovery site dr so in case there is any physical issue which happens at the pr site uh, then we can immediately move to dr and this is very important especially in view of uh, what happened at the pakistan stock exchange a few days back and of course what happened to bombay stock exchange and quite a few uh, important places uh, uh, way back in 92 so and again move back from dr to pr now uh, to my knowledge uh, i have not seen the any other exchange do that or practice that but uh, even during this time with uh, limited people working and most people working from home we managed to do that with the help of our extended family which is our vendors and how did we take care of them like that's where stakeholder uh, valuation also comes in they are not holding shares but uh, we ensured that these guys do not have to go back and travel all the way to the suburbs uh, when they come for work because there was a skeletal team of about 40 50 people who were coming in and uh, ensuring that the trading systems run every day settlements everything the whole kaboodle and uh, so we set them up in hotels uh, around bac so that they wouldn't really need to travel and be exposed to a high risk uh, this was again for their for themselves and their families and wherever any vendor has also had any medical issue uh, we have ensured that uh, we are our hr guys and admin guys reach out to them give them medical facility help uh, talk to them about insurance and help them with that uh, as far as we could so i think that's that's very important that stakeholder value and not only vendors it has to be the entire uh, uh, entire ecosystem which helps an organization to survive where we really need to look as uh, rajiv ji very rightly said uh, employees is of course a very very uh, important thing and i would say probably the first thing that you should be concentrating on and ensure their well being not only physically but uh, also mentally Uh, there are uh, so we had quite a few programs being conducted and uh, where people talk to the employees and the families were also free to join in on uh, what you can do if you're feeling uh, frustrated or depressed or stuff like that and how you can get out of it so i've heard of certain companies which are actually running certain games uh, and stuff during this period to keep the uh, employees engaged of course everything virtually and uh, that is also uh, uh, excellent concept so 
uh, I think stakeholder evaluation is uh, under underestimated, and we should really be looking at uh, uh, overall benefit of the stakeholders rather than concentrate only on the shareholders. Uh, because uh, even as far as uh, say, for example, nominee directors are concerned, there is always some kind of discussion on whether the nominee director should look at the good of the company in which he is a director or the good of the company in which uh, which has sent him to be a nominee director, which has nominated him. So all these things are important, but I think stakeholder uh, value is uh, paramount. Thanks. That's the way forward. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing uh, that. In fact, uh, it, it's an outlook that. Uh, uh, all boards need to appreciate and and start reinventing the thinking process. Uh, uh, Manish, by over to you uh, uh, from shareholder value to stakeholder value and uh, core values and ethics in times of crisis. Uh, what are your thoughts? Core values and ethics, as they said, that uh, they overlap each other. And I would again use a Sanskrit word which has got no equivalent is dharma. Uh, in each capacity, you must follow your dharma. Now, what is going to be a dharma as a employee, as a director, as a shareholder, as a stakeholder? I must not compromise with that. And uh, facts and circumstances of each uh, situation changes. And therefore, I must not leave what is my dharma in any of the capacities. Uh, looking at my mother, uh, she was a good mother, good wife, good uh, uh, good householder, good uh, sister, or something of that nature. So similarly, we will have to play those kind of roles. So the, uh, the, the chain is uh, as strong as its weakest link. So we need to take care of everybody and everything. And if we were not to look back, it is, we, are, we are no longer in that uh, era of laissez-faire or an East India company where you only have to maximize and look at our values. We all know with all the gunpowder, all the monopoly, all the weapons, all the army which it maintained, ultimately that company got bankrupt and it had to be, by, by an act of a parliament, it had to be wound up. So therefore it is not, even if you have all the powers and if you, if you own as uh, countries as big as India yeah. and other colonies, uh, you will still not survive. It did not survive because of the fact that it did not take care of the society in which it uh, made profits. It did not take care of its employees. It did not take care of the natural resources. It was also not uh, 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 not uh, true to the majesty. Some of their governor generals had to be, uh, uh, had to be impeached, had to be sent to jails and there are employees as well. So therefore that is an example. Uh, so it is not great to be great. It's still greater to be human. And it is necessary that, uh, that we look at all these values. It's easier said than done. Uh, uh, so therefore I would see rather than looking at uh, stakeholders, I think each of the stakeholder must operate as per its dharma. And dharma necessarily does not mean religion or a rule or a law. If, if SEBI uh, fails to subs uh, prescribe something, that does not mean that you can derelict your duty your duties will have to be, you have to put your guards on and you have to work in a manner uh, which is expected of you at that given point of time. And ultimately, what is good for, once you act in a, in a holistic manner, then ultimately those are, the, those are the companies which are going to sustain. And those are the, those are the companies which are going to give, add value. 
and those are the companies which are going to be remembered as good companies and those are the directors who act in a particular capacity without any fear or favor uh, how independent are independent directors and how independent they can be these these are all subjective questions and whether 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 too much of uh, emphasis is to be given on that kind of an aspect i think uh, the collective consciousness of all those who make the company uh, needs to move in a positive correct uh, direction uh, unless that happens uh, i i know what we are speaking about is utopian it is not achievable but certainly desirable and our all efforts should be to, towards that direction and those companies which only thought about their shareholders like the east india company did when it did rule in india they were also bankrupt and they had to be wound up very well that's a very classic example and uh, uh, rajib bhai over to you uh, let me pose a slightly different one uh, that uh, mr balsara referred in the course of his uh, discussion earlier uh, in the evening about succession plans i remember a very famous uh, uh, series uh, designated survivor with respect to the us uh, president and it's quite an interesting uh, uh, series uh, but or no at a more practical scale when we talk about each enterprise uh, and we'll be we're dealing with a pandemic or a crisis in the nature of a pandemic which has uh, the capability of taking disruptions to all new levels you know at at in all directions how relevant is it for enterprises to have a succession plan uh, to what extent should the succession plan uh, envisage or conceive uh, the possibilities of a disruption uh, and uh, along with that also uh, some thoughts on a slightly different topic on government response uh, what 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 is the wish list from your experience you you are a part of a company which is uh, which kind of epitomizes or symbolizes uh, a good governance uh, internally uh, so therefore uh, that uh, would only be compounding in my sense some of the challenges uh, for you uh, and therefore exposing you to uh, deeper cooperation seeking deeper cooperation or support if i can say so from the uh, government or regulators wherever applicable so on both these counts on succession they are slightly independent and uh, different issues but can we hear you on on both the issues over to you rajiv yeah so thanks manoj ji i think i will take the words of manish and as he, it's always a pleasure to you know hear out manish so i think one word dharma actually explains everything uh, so you know coming back to uh, but explains everything as far as governance is concerned if everybody knows what um, in the entire chain of governance be it the board members be it the whether is executive or independent or the ceo or the cfo or the executive committee or the hods or even an employee who is who is actually the real ambassador on on the ground on the shop floor if everybody knows their dharma and and actually does right but i think there is something called tone at the top you know so whether it is the prime minister of the country that one person can make a lot of difference you know and countries and uh, have have you know have have grown or are are there today because of because they had fantastic leaders and they actually set the right tone at the top 
coming back to your question uh, on the issue of succession the problem uh, with indian corporates and i am talking about uh, promoters is uh, they act for them the entire enterprise is like a baby and they don't want to and these are again manoj ji with a rider that these are personal views not the views of my present company or any past organization they are pure personal views that uh, it's like a baby you know like certain parents uh, even when the child grows they still continue to continue to you know interfere and want to decide each and everything which the child wants to you know do while as a parent when uh, the child becomes a major you can be a friend you can be advisor but the, they will start superimposing each and everything deciding each and everything i think the results could be you know totally different so uh, for the promoters uh, few of them are not able to detach themselves from the companies because they have been so passionate they have grown you know it's like taking the baby steps to growing it to a full enterprise they are not able to disassociate maybe they they have not done anything else except you know making this enterprise and that is where the problem of succession planning comes and uh, it puts into a situation where uh, you know dhitrasht could not uh, taking the leaf from mahabharat dhitrasht could not think of anybody else except duryodhan because he 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 was there was a blind you know uh, not in the real sense means he could not visualize you know so i think similarly you know many of the promoters they want their own child or you know sons to come on the board and run the business whereas if you compare this with some of the western uh, countries what typically promoters does is they actually reduce their stake and they may be they are lesser than 25% and you see more of institutional investor in terms of pension funds and you know uh, large mutual funds who come and invest and they become the investor they select a professional ceo and the ceo is given a business plan he has to perform if he doesn't perform he loses his job and based upon his performance his remuneration and everything is decided so it becomes a you know professional uh, fully professionally managed company unfortunately in india i think uh, as far as corporate governance is concerned we are still in a learning and growing phase uh, we have very few narayan murthys who could you know take a back seat although he, he also had to come mm-hmm. once you know back into infosys because somewhere <laughs> he felt that could to flag that baby which i developed is not in safe hand and then he had to come back but at least at least he has not tried to put his son as the ceo of infosys and he got you know professional people and wherever he felt that there was an issue so i think it's a mindset issue manoj ji uh, it is not good to take your own example but my current organization if i take acc it was formed by a merger of 10 cement companies in 1936 the big boys of uh, you know uh, mumbai bombay as uh, you know including the tatas they came forward and they laid the foundation of this company and i think uh, we are going to have our agm on monday which is the 84th agm so okay. more than eight decades of existence uh, and the company has had you know difficult times had uh, you know times where 
it had to you know with, uh, with it has to face lot of crisis but i think it has come out because uh, one of the reason was that we always had a professional uh, professional managed management and you know boards also from every walks of life uh, so that can be a case study where you know a promoter but again lot of success stories are there for promoter uh, you know companies where they have brought in lot of professional management and have empowered them you know you can bring lot of people but if you don't empower them then then uh, you know it it doesn't work actually so some this uh, this whole issue of control uh, you know has to go uh, so i think that is on succession and i think as far as the government aspect is concerned my personal view is that there cannot be corporate governance unless there is public governance and when i say public governance it is all the regulators the government of uh, the central government the state government so i always keep on telling that you know while we have ease of doing business and we have improved our ranking in terms of uh, you know ease of doing business i think there is lot uh, government is doing i'm not saying it is not doing they have done a lot but i think uh, a lot more is required and as a country i think this is the opportunity this is the right time when we can get lot of good investment into the country because somebody's loss should be somebody's gain and we can get investment only when some of the points before we joined which manish has been raising that for a you know a execution of a award you have to travel from dasna or you know noida to lahabad which is Uh, you know more uh, i'm taking your example further away yeah. like lahore is closer yeah. when compared to allahabad high court from noida so i think that's that was a revelation uh, to me i think so lot needs to be done and unless uh, you know transparency of the day comes in where things get approved uh, online without human interface because as long as if you give the regulators a discretion and and on that day we were discussing uh, certain things like uh, uh, one minute i think i'm running low on battery uh, so uh, certain things like you know consent for this is just an example consent for operate which is given for one year why it can't be given for five years because the regulator has all the power to question me if something goes wrong so i think unless there is uh, public governance improves expecting only corporate governance to work in isolation is not going to work so as a country i think we need to work towards that bring more transparency and uh, you know uh, so that we can attract investment and businesses can operate with much more ease thanks corona a lot has, corona, uh, corona has explained that you can even die at 40 or at 4 so succession planning becomes very important it does not mean that you will plan when you turn 60 or 75 or you will become xyz in the company in xy fashion uh succession does not mean that you must wait for uh, the directors to become or somebody to become or the ceo to become 60 years of age or superannuation it should not be confused with that uh, corona has explained to us has given us a lesson that the uh, life and the life is uncertain so therefore there must be the, the show must go on 
and the succession should be for everyone even if the ceo is at the age of 40 unless unless we have that kind of a succession planning i don't think so it should be succession of uh, duties and obligations and not necessarily of persons so once we look at in that very frame today all today we are very person centric once that thing gets changed anybody can die in a car accident anybody can die because of corona so the succession should not stop at promoters directors managers it should go to the last level because the, ultimately the objective are that uh, the the show must go on and entities uh, will remain people will come and go correct very well said manish bhai in fact turning to dr kapoor sorry yeah i wanted to add what manish said see actually as i told uh, uh, the promoter or the person who owns the company he is able to control each and everything you know he can decide who will be the ceo who will be the board members itself you know generally i have seen in my experience except uh, you know large corporations it is actually always friends who become independent directors while they may you may do all the tick mark compliance so that's where i think if 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 the promoters you know uh, as i gave the example of west where promoters reduce their you know stake over a period of time and they bring more external investors here it's opposite i have seen companies trying to acquire more and more and reach up till 75 which is allowed for a public listed company i think mr kushro can can vouch that well uh, not very long ago couple of days back uh, one of the uh, top tier uh, energy and mineral resources company announced that it wants to delist and therefore yeah. to acquire 90% of the stake uh, no names these are listed companies uh, so there's no point uh, getting into names uh, turning to dr kapoor uh, uh, so dr succession dr. kumar dr yes. kumar may I just uh, yes please uh, rajiv ji referred uh, yes, i uh, sorry i have a little divergent view if i may uh, i feel there is nothing wrong with the promoter holding the stake but as you rightly mentioned he should now uh, let somebody marry his daughter and go ahead so somebody else will should run the management of the company and you just keep an eye on it because a lot of times in india unfortunately or fortunately uh, people investors repose faith and confidence in a company by the promoter stake the promoter starts mm. reducing his stake and is a very prominent person then automatically you know people start thinking are ye company mein se i think i'd better exit let's take a case of uh, mr narayan murthy when he tried to go for reclassification as a non promoter the company did not allow him the shareholders did not allow him to go out because he may be holding less than 1% but it is still the presence or whatever you call it which helps you know so i think irrespective of the stake it is a question of being professional allowing professionals to run your company allowing other good guys to take your company forward they may take it to such wonderful other directions which you had not even anticipated as a promoter but uh, again uh, nothing to do with uh, sherod thanks then yes mr bharti yeah i only point that uh, i am not saying that you get out of the company bring professional management bring more institutional investor investors like provident fund pension funds you know so it should be more broad based that one person should not control so you should kind of empower the whole company in such a way that it is standing on his own feet make it a institution like infosys is a good example see see telecom is one example 
all those promoters who wanted to have the largest 75% shares in their control those companies don't exist anymore those who diluted it and allowed other people to come because of strategy capital or things of that nature even it is happening in reliance uh, the share just becomes bigger so what we have to think is that if at all institutional and other shareholders also come into being it brings in stability but yes the mindset of the investor also needs to change from person to performance performances of the company persons can keep on uh, coming and going correct very well mr bharti you saying something please <laughs> no so i i tend to agree with what mr balsara was saying in the sense that it is possible without reducing your stake to have uh, professionalize a company and since i am not aligned with any company i can take the name of dabar dabar is a very good example there are shareholders promoters and it's a completely there is a wall between shareholders and the way the company is run it's a very good in fact this is an issue which is faced by most family run businesses and one needs to take a look at how dabar is managed this by rotation from within the family there is one chairman otherwise the company is totally run professionally they set annual targets and the ceo etc and his team are judged by those targets broadly speaking uh, i think it is possible now this is not necessarily a complex issue when it comes to professionally run companies say like itc or pepsico or general electric there it is an integral part of your hr processes every role is benchmarked every role has a successor etc etc or if it does not have it should have i mean at least theoretically it should have uh, and it should be an organic part of your hr processes in family run businesses the situation is complex and it's a very interesting debate uh, yeah. i i guess for this i want to turn to dr kapoor uh, no uh, i think a lot of us here may be aware at least i've been exposed to for quite some years the potter prize and uh, for competitiveness uh, that he brought to india and uh, so appraising businesses in india on competitiveness uh, how much of succession planning or the lack of it uh, has come around as 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 uh, impacting uh, the capabilities competitive capabilities of indian businesses uh, that's one question which i just took uh, in a flow of uh, succession planning along with this i want to have a pointed feedback from you on uh, prescriptions to the board uh, you know uh, from the pre covid 19 era to the post covid 19 that we're walking into uh, just two or three pointers that you think uh, should be there for the board members for the board to conduct itself but first starting with the potter prize thank you uh, so manoj ji uh, very very big question in terms of uh, how competitiveness of firms can actually get driven through uh, promoters or non promoters or professional managers or whatever what i would rather say is that i, I will not go into the promoter point of view uh, and uh, because uh, it can open up pandora's box but i can tell you like companies which have vision for the future are the set of people who have actually been able to drive what needs to be done uh, in fact when vivek ji says that there have been enterprises like say general electric uh, it used to be a blue eyed enterprise amazing enterprise at one point in time but it lost its vision it was just not sure what is going to happen how things are going to transform and it has started losing over a period of time uh, so but i think there is always a life cycle that happens whether professionally run or promoter run there is always a life cycle for an enterprise i would uh, as you were invoking dharma i would like to invoke a very interesting principle called the god principle of business 
the god principle is of business is generate operate and destroy so you will come you will operate and you will get destroyed yourself it's a life cycle of nature uh, and there is nothing in the world which is going to live in perpetuity it has to actually evolve over a period of time or else you are actually going to be defining yourself over and over again uh, but having said that i think professionally run enterprises do perform much better over a period of time because there are differing views or different views that actually come over in fact we have seen across the board in india as well people who have inherited amazing levels of wealth in this country have not been able to maintain it so there are those very interesting sets of insights that come through uh, having said that the second coming to the second question that you said uh, if you what are those two or three things that you would like to like enterprises to do uh, in fact I, i'll just uh, say a few things like say um, the purpose of business is to say create economic value in a way that it creates a value for society Uh, so that is what boards need to actually uh, look at uh, uh, when, and when you say uh, businesses acting as businesses are the most powerful force for addressing uh, many of the uh, what i call society's issues uh, that is what it is so in fact uh, boards need to see that there is a responsibility that they owe to the society and that's what what it is they need to actually manage things uh, for that uh, thing and uh, having said that last last but not the least is that there is a uh, there is a self enforcing reinforcing benefit between society and growth of firms and uh, growth of a nation uh, and we need to actually uh, look at that and of course uh, without a doubt uh, i think one last thing that i think all boards should do and uh, probably not part of this discussion is that they should find a way to create entrepreneurs uh, in a country like india because uh, if you are able to do that we we have to invoke uh, a system wherein we are able to create entrepreneurs and Uh, really push the agenda forward and they should not look at entrepreneurs as uh, say uh, competitors in fact i have a very very critical view of enterprises and high salaries uh, in terms of like how, what enterprises do enterprises pay enough salaries to make sure that a smart guy does not become an entrepreneur that's a very interesting competitive <laughs> view uh, you can actually disagree with yeah, me yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, so that that's where it is but then uh, over to you manoj bhai not trying to agree with you more than yeah high salaries whether they actually end up operating as glass ceiling uh, for great talent you know in, in that sense uh, uh, mr bulsara over to you a few prescription uh, prescriptions for boards uh, in the new phase that we are walking into uh, maybe some of the issues you may, you may think that we have already spoken about but very pointed prescriptions to board uh, uh, on conducting themselves uh thank you dr kumar so i would again go back to uh, the three major points which i focused on the the beginning and like you very rightly said i think as far as this crisis teaches us that uh, number one succession planning has to be there even for professionally managed companies some kind of thing because uh, certain times there are people who are even professionals who are in power for a very long time who are not uh, so to say promoters of the company like one very large conglomerate company but they have been staying in power for a very low very long time so that change rotation needs to be there so that fresh thinking comes to the fore that is very uh, vital uh, otherwise business continues in the same way and we are all you know there is a saying like if you are very comfortable with some with uh, everything operating then something is wrong it's like that so that's very important and of course the i uh, would really like to stress again on the disclosure and uh, transparency kind of uh, aspect because uh, i think companies still need to be a little more serious about uh, 
the disclosures that they need to make about what's going on inside their companies because uh, I, I tell these guys many times uh, when i when i speak at uh, seminars or webinars hosted by icsi institute of company secretaries so i give these companies you know i tell them i'm giving you brahmastra uh, that uh, like you had those weapons of mass destruction they should be i can give you a weapon of mass disclosure and that is widd when in doubt disclose a lot of company secretaries have had very senior people surprisingly call up and say are ye aisa ho gaya i'm going to you're going to take over a company should i disclose everything or not and tell them what's the other than business secret other than something which will harm your enterprise you should go ahead and disclose why are you balking at giving the full disclosure so when in doubt disclose if you have any issues you take it up and i'm sorry but uh, one very important thing which i am very uh, passionate about is uh, you know this materiality policies for disclosures so sebi has mandated uh, under regulation 30 that every company should uh, have a uh, designated person or persons who will make the disclosure uh, to the uh, general public to the stock exchanges and through us to the general public about any undisclosed material price sensitive information now uh, we saw the materiality policies in the survey of about 200 odd companies top companies top listed companies in terms of market cap and we found that more than 50% of those companies did not have any material or sorry objective parameter in the materiality policies it was uh, this uh, company secretary and these two directors will be interested with disclosing the information and they will disclose what they feel is correct or you know from time to time what the management feels is correct that is that is not correct it has to be a objective parameter that if this event uh, is worth you know or it's it's going to cost me or going to benefit me by say 10 crores or 40 crores or 50 crores what percentage of my sales or revenue or whatever parameter you select the company can select we are not enforcing but it has to be objective it has to be measurable if that event is not measurable you will say okay uh, this particular event according to me was of not much relevance or did not have material impact so i did not disclose this is something which is not correct and uh, sad to say we had a run in uh, with one of the very large listed companies which did not have materiality policy and they said that uh, we don't require objectivity we are the ones who will decide that's it so that was very surprising and uh, the last of course is uh, everybody mentioned so it we can encapsulate that as risk management you know what are the strategies going forward if some major issue comes up how are we going to deal with it so eventualities of all sorts now we know that this tiny as somebody mentioned in the beginning of the uh, panel discussion uh, 2 cm small virus which you really can't see with the naked eye has held the whole world ransom for over 3 months could anyone ever in their wildest dreams have imagined So the whole world will come to a standstill uh, i don't think so so the risk management uh, is something where uh, for example again i'm sorry i am keeping on taking the example of dsc but in the risk management committee every time there is a presentation by a particular function say listing or uh, member compliance or uh, it it is there every every particular uh, meeting on what we are doing what are the risks as we see them and what risk mitigation measures we have got in place and the board has got a beautiful third party view altogether we are working uh, all the, the whole day in our areas 
so we have certain fixed thoughts but when the board of independent directors we have only independent directors when can they, i can i can i yeah can i intervene sorry uh, uh, while while we continue to close the q and a's in a few minutes uh, i believe dr amit kapoor has to drop off uh, for uh, uh, for some other uh, call similar call starting parallelly so thanks thanks a lot for joining in dr kapoor we'll just continue thank for a amit short while more to address Thanks. Some question Q and A's. Yeah, lovely to have you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Please, Mr. Basara, continue. Sorry, uh, you can yeah, so uh, complete your. Yeah. I, I think I, I kind of just uh, made my point. I think that's. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. We can go okay. ahead with the questions if you like. Oh, sure. Uh, before I uh, move on with the questions, uh, uh, Mr. Bharti, uh, I mean, from your vast experience uh, as uh, part of board's uh, uh, prescriptions for post-COVID uh, conduct. of boards well uh, i think here is an opportunity to pre pre prepare for the next crisis so the point i'm trying to make is that uh, what you do in normal times is actually the critical thing and that is where have you written the protocols have you defined it as uh, kushro ji was saying do you have a risk management system in place do you have a crisis management system in place that should happen during normal times and you should be doing mock drills and mock runs during normal times i mean i remember it pepsico we used to do it all the time we used to run mock drills and mock uh, exercises uh, <clears throat> and right through the organization the full organization has to be prepared for that because the crisis can hit at any point it need not be a systemic crisis like covid your company can be faced with a crisis for example let's uh, your uh, you know vedanta had to close a major operation in urissa you know that kind of crisis can visit a company so uh, kushroj is absolutely right have the protocols in place have risk mitigation plans constantly visit them revisit them fine tune them and get the whole organization exercised about them be prepared about that only then you would be able to actually play a role during covid <clears throat> and what is the learning from a covid kind of crisis how you have strengthened yourself i think is the best learning that that can emerge out of this thanks so much uh see that's uh, that kind of completes the loop for us uh, at least for now and uh, i'm sure there'll be more nuanced issues uh going forward uh including the role of uh, or the competence or the role or the expectations from independent directors we have seen some recent changes being made There's some norm setting is being done uh, registry has been created uh, a roster is being prepared uh, there is a ecosystem being created to continuously train independent directors and to provide all the modules by the indian institute of corporate affairs Uh, hopefully the skill sets will also translate into the will uh, uh, uh the, you know the, the conviction and the will to actually implement them in the boards in times to come now quickly to touch on the questions before we uh, close for the day we slightly overshot the time i hope uh, uh, it, uh, it's okay to continue for a few minutes and quickly address the questions at random i see most of the issues raised uh, pretty much already covered in our conversation but nevertheless uh, there is one for uh, mr balsara in your experience apart from um, a few high stakes and widely reported matters 
how effective have derivative actions been in india to keep the boards in check uh, would you want to uh, uh, revert uh, speak on sorry that? i didn't really understand the question very clearly derivative even, actions even i could not follow it much uh, because uh, what is the intention of derivative what is meant by derivative action uh, uh is something so maybe that... if the complainant writes in again we can respond on email possible uh, sorry not complainant uh, yeah query department yeah, yeah but... <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's just coming naturally there's one for uh, rajiv uh, what according to you are the key essentials for a board to guide a company through such a unprecedented situation like as we are today also what is the role of internal and external counsel can play in, uh, in enabling the board in carrying out its responsibility so it's directly pointing to your role uh, in the board to enable the board to navigate yeah i missed the initial part what, uh, initial part was what according to you are the key essentials for a board to guide a company through such uh, an unprecedented situation as we are in you know the covid-19 crisis so uh, what are the key essentials for the board and the second part is the role of internal and external councils uh, in enabling the board uh, uh, is one is um, is to have the right management in place because you know any strategy any business plan any growth cannot be delivered if you don't have the right management and it includes what we just discussed you know success in planning right people at the right place empower them uh so that is one and a very important aspect is uh to you know test whether a company works fine in such crises is internal control i would say this is one of the most key important things internal control and internal financial control these are two separate things financial controls actually uh focuses on how you know accounting norms has to be be done whether you know if there is a contingent liability whether it is being accounted or not and you know companies can very well play with numbers when it comes to recognizing any liability or any demand and all those things and you know accounts can easily be uh, you know manipulated you know a classical case of satyam so uh, uh, that is internal financial control internal control is that you know every process of the company every function is mapped and every executive is mapped in terms of who is responsible for what and those controls should be regularly tested and exception should be reported to the audit committee and board i think when somebody knows that i am subject to a responsibility matrix and i am being kind of there is a automatic checks and control into the system that is very very important because uh whatever you may plan can can be people can take deviation and put the company into trouble so i think that's very important as far as role of general counsel is concerned i think uh you know the agility uh with which they can work and they can come up with uh, you know uh, solutions as far as any uh, business situation is concerned ability to you know reduce cost is one of the because legal cost also sometimes becomes a very huge cost how you can you know ensure that there is minimum litigation because a, any company is not into the business of litigation so i think how you can 
help the company resolve some of the legal issues I, during covid i think the biggest challenge manojji was that with so many you know things uh, for a pan india company like us so many circular directions and you know you remember the famous mha circular which says that uh, there can be a penalty and imprisonment where most of my head of plants told sir i i don't want to go to jail so you know addressing this kind of query and an anxiety addressing legal issues uh, i think becomes very very key so that businesses uh, run very smoothly thank you so much rajiv uh, manish bhai uh, i believe uh, you have another call to take if you have any inputs on this question i would request you to share your thoughts we are we are left with one other very practical uh query uh, which i want to pose to mr bharti and uh, mr balsara but before that uh, if you have any inputs on uh, the, uh, the key elements of uh, the board uh, what 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 would come handy for the board to navigate through a crisis and also the role of councils external and internal like yourselves uh, in being an enabler so again uh... what i get from mr balsara is very thing always always be transparency trans- transparency and sunlight are the biggest disinfectants if you can <laughs> if you can practice that i we, we had a lot of a lot of faith that with uh, sunlight uh, and the summers this uh, virus will also go but it did not go but uh, i think transparency and sunlight is the cure for uh, many ills in the society the other thing is that uh, what we need to do is that um, Uh, we need uh, to move rather than independent too much of uh, focus on independent directors i think there there should be more focus on uh, independence of directors and there should be more focus on uh, rather than people on processes and systems and technology so these are the ones which are going to be which are going to yield larger dividends rather than coming out with uh, uh, many other things and the role of our internal and external council i think it's the same because the the we need to give the correct advice work as per our dharma not what is correct for today but what is going to be correct in the longer term so similarly uh, whether whether we need to interpret a particular a particular uh, notification as uh, rajib bhai was saying is there whether we interpret it internally we, in, in internally we get Uh, sometimes our vision gets skewed by the immediate necessity and facts whereas the external councils do not have that kind of a uh, handicap they need to look at totality of a situation and i think um, uh, as the world is world is becoming more and more integrated it is i think external and internal people and councils who have to work like a team and uh, be true to our dharma and move forward that's about it all very well said in fact people process and technology uh, yes of course that's the way forward uh, uh, feel free manish bhai to drop off if you if you are uh, at any thank time you so if much. you feel thank you so much for joining us uh, just a few minutes more one more question you can continue as much as as long as you want uh, uh, mr balsara and uh, mr bharti there is a very practical side query which i thought can be purely addressed by you uh, from your experience what role is the ethical awareness going to play in corporate governance and how are the directors likely to utilize the ethics so how do they use ethics as a tool uh, in the, the performance of their duties so it is more on uh, 
experience i thought it's, it's best posed to uh, uh, mr balsara and mr bharti yourselves vivek ji uh, so i uh, look i have i have worked in an environment where uh, uh, i mean during my professional life in an american multinational where uh, ethics are absolutely uncompromising and the rules are very strict you know there was this discussion going on just now on the role of the general counsel uh, and i can tell you that uh, the general counsel for example in pepsico india would not report to the ceo he would report right to the top and they would report to the board so there is a segregation and the the general counsel assuming that the ceo has violated any ethic or the code of conduct he had the ceo could be dismissed he would take the he would complain to his superiors so it depends on the structure of the company it depends what the intent of the regulation the seriousness with which to follow that regulation etc etc i don't know whether you remember that case where reebok had to sack sack its chief executive uh, for violating the company's code of conduct so it depends on how seriously you take these issues uh, <clears throat> and it actually it depends on the intent of the company itself independent directors can try to reinforce those values but i think beyond a point apart from refusing to sign certain things it also is incumbent on the management and it is always uh, uh, the independent director's duty uh, if you ask me to revisit to restate to keep the awareness levels high and uh, continue to communicate with the top management that this is doable this is not doable this is right this is wrong so uh, clarity on the rights and wrongs is very very critical and uh, very well said dear please go ahead yeah so uh, i mean the rights and wrongs are very clear and uh, as kushraji was very rightly said widd absolutely i fully agree with that WIDD just disclose, disclose, disclose. Keep transparency. Uh, nothing should be hidden. Uh, Mr. Bal, thank you so much, uh, uh, Mr. Balsara. How about yourself? Uh, you know, from the practical side, as uh, very lucidly put across by Mr. Uh, Bharti just now. Uh, I would say my personal ethics make me say that I couldn't agree with uh, Vivek Ji more. and uh, uh, it's actually uh, again uh, as far as i think sometimes independent directors are in a little bit uh, between a rock and a hard place when they see that uh, promoters are doing something wrong or uh, something is going wrong he is asking questions and he knows for sure something is wrong so uh, i think the whistle blower mechanism which is uh, required to be put by all companies in place is uh, again a very very important uh, facet of corporate governance uh we have seen certain cases uh, recently in the recent past where uh, the uh, independent director who was an audit committee head uh stepped down and he he, he pointed out certain wrongdoings which were happening so i think pani jab sar se upar ja raha hai then he has taken such kind of a step uh, because if staying there you cannot do something right then probably you may need a lot of courage and self conviction and uh, ethics to Uh, do your whistle blowing but in in a more constructive manner not with a view to uh, have any personal animosity uh, acted out on the, the public stage 
so that's very important that uh, if they see something they need to talk about it and uh, and then just get down and just get but, but mr balsara that is where the role of the general counsel comes in uh, the whistle right. can call and the general counsel will investigate and we assume that that investigation would be thorough and fair yes but uh, what yeah. happens frequently uh, in companies or other we see a lot of whistle blow complaints coming in is that uh, after a few months the whistle blow comes back to us and says i have been victimized this has happened that has happened so for companies uh, it's very necessary to set, uh, set in a strong regulatory framework for uh, whistle blower complaints where the identity is protected as far as possible and if something is if it's something frivolous and all then i'm sure disciplinary action is the only way out but so the, otherwise the, you need to support the whistle blower so that's where actually i am reemphasizing the point that the role of the general counsel becomes critical rajiv's role is critical i would say it is a how we empower rajiv to be absolutely fair and thorough in his investigations his team must be busy all the time actually attending to so many whistleblower calls he is such a large organization uh, absolutely as far as my company is concerned i am yeah. the i am the chairman of the ethics view committee so absolutely. all your complaints come to me there is a regular meeting which is happening uh, so that's how it works Yeah, I wanted to bring in Rajiv. Actually, when I was repeatedly seeing uh, the reference to a uh, role of a general counsel, important yeah. aspect is this uh, whistle blower mechanism. If any company is getting higher number of whistle blower cases, actually it shows a culture of speak out. If you don't get any cases, I think uh, that's that's where uh, I think it's an indication that everything is being controlled. another point rajiv uh, made that i wanted to bring in at this point you know in this entire discussion and about ethics and uh, role of processes protocols control mechanisms i think rajiv made a very important point about uh, uh, you know tone at the top at that tone at the top in your uh, you know general meetings in your uh, uh, town halls etc the tone at the top the message you convey to your employees uh, during your interactions on ethics and values and processes within the company i think that's very critical so it it has to flow from the top uh vibhuti on on a lighter note remember the 1972 film amar prem of rajesh khanna ji <laughs> so that very very famous song you know he says maaji jo naav duboye usse kon bachaye that's very relevant i think right Uh, thank you so much now allow me to wind up uh, uh, we i'm sure time is valuable and before we close uh, uh, allow me to uh, you know share the compliments of a dear friend of mine is not uh, given a question subir bikas mitra dr mitra is the legal regulatory and com compliance and policy head at uh, gas authority of india limited uh, and he shares his compliments particularly to the panelists as so i thought i must convey it across uh, and thank you so much for joining us today uh, mr vivek bharti i know it's it was a very pressing time for you uh, uh, traveling out of home uh, under very uh, unique circumstances till you made out time for today thank you so much for joining us mr kosro uh, balsara uh, thank you so much for taking out time uh, it, it's a weekend is very precious uh, in the hard work regime that i know of that you follow and of course uh, rajiv thank you so much for taking out time 
and adding so much of value uh, my god it's incredible you know the the employee sentiments and tone at the top and everything that goes into making possibly what the way you were handling your responsibilities at uh, acc and uh, great wishes to you thanks a lot gentlemen for joining us before you can i just say one last thing that uh, dr kumar you are absolutely consummate uh, skills at uh, uh, moderating and uh, you really brought out the best or maybe the worst in us <laughs> and uh, thank you very much you did a phenomenal job yourself thank you so much thank you thank you dr kumar thanks thanks thank you everybody Thank you.